In the latest episode of Vamos Verde, we are going to talk to one of the most prolific goal scorers in Major League Soccer history, Austin FC striker Giassi Zardes. We also talked to some folks who have been bringing the soundtrack to Austin's nightlife for over 20 years and are now providing the soundtrack at Q2 Stadium, their official DJ collective, Peligrosa. That's the latest episode of Vamos Verde. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. From KUT and KUTX Studios. Hello, and welcome to This Song, the podcast where artists talk about the songs that changed their lives and give us a glimpse into their creative process. I'm your host, Elizabeth McQueen, and this week on This Song, we'll be hearing from Dan Whitford of the Australian electronic band Cut Copy. The band's been around since the early 2000s, and they're known for melding live instrumentation and sampled sound to create this really compelling dance music and they just released their fifth record haiku from zero earlier this year though right before that like late last year they released an entire other project called january tape it was this 44 minute ambient instrumental cassette that was only available on their website though of course you can find it on the internet now haiku from zero finds cut copy doing what they do best creating music that is at once organic and electronic. And I got to speak to Dan Whitford about an experience he had early in his career that started him on the path to this sound. I guess the song that I was thinking of was A Different Feeling by The Avalanches. sits somewhere in a strange place between the kind of 70s psychedelic song but then chopped up and resampled and combined with a kind of a house beat in a way that only the avalanches could really combine these sort of strange seemingly unrelated things and, and make a song out of it. It's pretty repetitive, it just sort of builds. I chose that song because I think it represented a moment probably before Cut Copy had formed into a thing and it opened my eyes to, I guess, the possibilities of dance music to be something that's visceral and makes people want to move but also sort of really layered and textured and interesting, you know, if you look at the detail of it. I was fortunate enough back then to meet the Avalanches guys before they'd finished that album, just through being on the same label as them. So I actually managed to go into the studio. I remember talking to them at the time and they'd basically bought 10,000 records, like mainly seven inches from a deceased estate and made that whole first album out of all of these records that obviously had come from someone's collection, just trawling through them, finding little sections they could use as building blocks to make this album. And it was sort of a classic album, really, like a iconoclastic thing that was sort of out there on its own, but I think still stands the test of time. Uh, and it's almost a bit hard to get across to people now, but back in that time in Australia, dance music was not something that anyone really did. A lot of rock bands and punk bands and that kind of thing. 
but dance music was something that happened overseas. It didn't happen in Australia. And so hearing that song and hearing songs from their first album was this crazy eye-opening experience for me as like a relatively young, wide-eyed kid with an interest in sampling and dance music and then just hearing this incredibly elaborate thing that they'd made. felt like all these ideas and possibilities opened up just from, from hearing that track for the first time. And I was like, oh wow, that's a sort of different rhythm, but I, I really love it. You know, I don't think that Cut Copy would have existed without the avalanches existing before us. They sort of, in a weird way, were trailblazers for a lot of like Australian dance music that's happened in the time since then. But you were playing music at the time. Like you had been a graphic designer and you had started kind of fooling around with synths. Yeah, well, basically, I'd, I was probably living with my parents back then and um, Cut Copy was just sort of me doing stuff in my, my bedroom at my parents' house. Gotten interested in sample-based music, so I was, you know, listened to a lot of hip-hop and DJ Shadow at that point in time was probably like my idol just because he's sort of a maestro of, of sampling and that kind of music, so that was my world at that point. I'd like to just continue to be able to express myself as best as I can in history. I feel like I have a lot of work to do, still, you know. I'm a student of the drums, and I'm also a teacher of the drums, too. You know? <laughs> I basically threw out all the demo tracks that I, that I had up until that point, and was just like, these are rubbish. I gotta like think bigger, you know. I, I gotta do something, you know, even crazier than what they're doing to to sort of do something that's that's truly great, I guess. So it made me feel like I needed to be more ambitious and and sort of really shoot for the moon uh, with what Cut Copy was going to be. I'd sent out like a demo to Modular, and they were, I guess, intrigued enough by what they heard to want to offer me a record contract as a solo artist at that point. And I think just sort of after signing with the label and connecting with some of the other artists that were affiliated through the label, like the Avalanches, it kind of opened up all these possibilities and made me realise it's worth kind of really reaching and being ambitious with, with what I was doing. Uh, and I think fairly shortly after that, the band started to form and the beginnings of our first album. somehow working the home recorded stuff that I was doing in with a really basic, almost garage rock band, lo-fi indie thing that Tim and the other guys background, like fitting those two things together and making this weird hybrid thing that I guess is still in a strange way the blueprint for what we do, but hopefully you know a little bit more hi-fi than it was in the beginning. <laughs> I think really it was having no expectations in the beginning. We kind of really just thought we'd try this idea of, of kind of jamming together between what I was doing as a sort of studio project and what the other guys could bring to it, like just playing live instruments. And it was really a bit of an experiment. We thought, you know, this, this might sound terrible, but, you know, we'll just see how combining these different sort of uncombined approaches might work. And I think nowadays it seems like a much more common thing, the idea of combining electronic sort of DJ-based sounds with, you know, live band sounds. That's not going to surprise anyone, but at the time uh, it wasn't something that people were doing and, and really we sort of felt like it might really just go down like a lead balloon. Like we didn't know, but we thought it was worth a try. 
and um, and I think probably in some ways the fearlessness of being young and having no responsibilities and no no real cares like you just try these things and, and thankfully in our case it kind of worked. You have a new record out that just came out. What is the incarnation on this record? This album, I guess, we've obviously been around for a while now. Like we've had four albums before this. And I think there's almost a sense of confidence that comes from having stood the test of time. So I think we kind of felt like we didn't need to push in a particular direction or, you know, copy, you know, whatever's happening in music at the moment to be sort of liked or for people to want to hear us. We know that our fans love what we do. You know, we have our, our place in people's hearts and we can kind of be cut copy basically unashamedly. So I think this album is really uh, an effort to kind of not be following influences outside of what we're doing and really try and capture the essence of what the band is about, both as a studio entity and also as a, as a live entity, because we've never really felt like we've perfectly captured what our live show does and kind of the energy of that. But I think this album definitely does a much better job of that. I feel like everyone's parts on this record sound better than they ever have in the past. And we, I guess as far as the live aspect goes, we even sort of set up this tiny little room in the studio with a couple of microphones and it was almost like a lo-fi jam room where we'd go in and just record ourselves with a couple of microphones just jamming out like for, for hours on some of the tracks and combine that with the more hi-fi recordings that we're doing and, and I guess a lot of the end songs on the record are a combination of the sort of sweaty jam room and also like the proper separated hi-fi studio recordings as well. So it's sort of a two-pronged approach. Almost like returning to the, the jam room days yeah, of yours. Yeah, back your, to my bedroom man. at my parents' place. Yeah. Back to the garage. Yeah, Let's just exactly. like play and see what happens <laughs> and like we'll take whatever's good. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Right on. Um, so I know that you guys do projects in between records. Do you think that that outlet, like doing things as a band that aren't necessarily part of an LP, mm. does that kind of help you when it's time to be cut copy? Is that a strategy to make that work or is it just yeah, like... Yeah, I mean, that, the, that January tape the, that we made of kind of, I guess, instrumental, fairly ambient music was um, almost like us taking a holiday from... Uh, making Haiku from Zero. We'd, we'd worked on it for a, uh, almost a couple of years and I think to the point where we were losing our minds a little bit so we're like we need a break but instead of taking a break and you know sitting on a beach for for a week we decided we'll just actually go into the studio and do something completely different so it was almost like going on vacation in the studio but we're actually so happy with the end result and we only spent a week on it. Yeah, it made us want to kind of pursue some of these uh, more esoteric ideas that we have along the way. Um, so, so I'd say we'll be doing maybe a few more of these little, you know, weird experimental passion projects in the future. I love that it was an actual break from making the record. It's like, let's just take a break and be something else for a while. Yeah, and exactly. Come back to it. <laughs> like, that's a great strategy.
And this is Airborne from Cut Copy's new record, Haiku from Zero. And man, not many artists get to hear the music that would go on to change the course of their life, like while it's still being recorded in the studio. That's one of the coolest stories I've ever heard. Cut Copy is on tour right now in the U.S., and I will post a link to their tour dates on the show notes page for this episode on the KUTX website. KUTX is the radio station where we make this podcast. And if you dug that episode, then go ahead and check out our archive on the podcast app or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can find over 100 episodes with folks like Tycho and Thundercat all talking about songs that formed and transformed them. And also, if you liked this episode, then please tell a friend about the show. Spread the word. Share it with your online and your real-life friends. Like, we want as many people as possible to hear these stories. And that's it. You have come to the end of another episode of This Song. This Song is a production of KUTX 98.9 in Austin, Texas, this episode was produced and edited by Art Levy and me, Elizabeth McQueen. Nadia Hamden edited this interview. Jake Perlman recorded the interview. Kelly Seal is our most excellent intern. Aaron Waltz is our social media intern. Thanks to Deidre Gott and Peter Babb and Todd Callahan for all they do for this podcast. And it is true. Our theme song is Mahout by Austin Doan Hard Proof. Right on. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. KUT's next AT Explained live show is April 3rd. Brand new stories about Austin's people, places, and culture told live on stage by your favorite KUT journalists. I've never gotten any specific invites from Steiner Ranch. And that's about the time Charlie chomped down on that chicken. I will hypnotize you into securing my law services. Join us April 3rd at the Paramount Theater for KUT's next AT Explained Live. Tickets are on sale now. Get them at austintheater.org. And we'll see you there.